That's why expectations are such a huge thing that are at work in the background of all of this. Because at various moments for various reasons, I've had to rethink about my expectations and realize how without even knowing it, I was setting expectations that then just kept getting destroyed time and time and time again. Right then, let's let's do this. Welcome along, one and all, to the Still Parents Podcast. We are live from the Still Parents Podcast Studio Sunday night here in uh, in what's been quite a hot and stuffy UK. We're getting the the late summer heat, aren't we? Evening, Ryan. Good evening. How are you, my friend? Uh, I'm very well, thank you. Good, good. How about yourself, Matt? I'm good. I've I've been I went for a run this morning. I went for a carvery and an ice cream afterwards. So I thought I'd just balance my day out. A run, a carvery, and an ice cream. You should, yeah, know, you should yeah. have done them all at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. It's better than a shit shower shave. Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I burned all my calories first, and then just added them all back on. So yeah. If um, if this is the first podcast, by the way, that you've that you've heard, so uh, these two gentlemen, Ryan and Matt, uh, Ryan, of course, from the Lily May Foundation, who set it up with wife Amy after the loss of Lily, which is 13, 13 years ago. Isn't it this year and uh, Matt who also now works with the Lily May Foundation after he and Crystal lost Callie and that's seven just over seven years ago now so all of the uh, other episodes you can find three podcast provider our website stillparentspodcast.co.uk and our Instagram which is stillparentspodcast and we're just going to say quick hello to our guest and see if he can hear us and we can hear him okay joining us all the way. Go on, Ryan, sing the song, because I know you want to. I can't sing. But it's, <laughs> you couldn't last week, but you still ended up singing the theme tune to Neighbours. I, <laughs> I, can't, I, I can't sing this song because I don't want to ruin it, because yeah. it, it's a class song. Yeah. But it's, it, yeah, I'm going to... I'm not going to say anything until you do it. <laughs> We're going to be waiting a while then, aren't we? From the streets of Philadelphia. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Kelly. That's how, that is how pure we are in here. We're joined from Philadelphia by uh, Kelly Jean-Philippe. Am I saying that correct, Kelly? You are saying that correct. What a voice. Oh, yeah. What a voice. Smooth as silk, isn't it? Smooth. Smooth, man, yeah. We are, uh, we're we're very happy to have you uh, with us on the show today. Thank you very much for giving up your time on a Sunday, because it's Sunday, late lunchtime over there, I think, at the minute, isn't it, for you? So, how are you, first of all? Are you well? I am doing well. I am really excited to be joining you guys. Like I was telling you before we went live, I've listened to almost every episode of this podcast, and... um, yeah, I don't know if that's cool or sick or a little bit of both, yeah. but um, yeah, it's 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 a great show and I'm so happy I came across uh, this show. Well, thank you very much. We appreciate it. It's an interesting point you make, actually. What do you what do you make of that? Because the, the, um, obviously, Matt, I mean, I know straight away you've listened to more episodes than our own Matt. Yeah. Because it took him a while to, and we spoke about this. I mean, oh, yeah, we, we're yeah. joking a bit, but we spoke about it and yeah. obviously the reasons why. As we mentioned before, you, you come and you do this podcast most weeks where you come in and you just have to go through, again, the worst day of your life. Uh, for both of you as well. So I can understand why it can be difficult to go and do that. But over time, I think since your wife came on, Crystal, wasn't it? So. Yeah, but I've, I've listened to a few more. And again, when people ask that, I, I don't I don't actually know. <laughs> I don't, I just, I just don't know. I, I, I just... Um, don't know. I don't know. That's it, yeah. There's no real... There's no, yeah. But I mean, how many have you listened, how many have you listened to, do you reckon? Have you listened to them? I... Few, I or have you so, dip in and out? Or? I do, I do, yeah, I dip in and out. I don't listen to them all straight through. I'll, um, no, you just take what you need from them. I just take it? what, yeah, and and I it's don't, a resource, isn't it? Yeah, I I'll be honest. I don't listen to them as a as a sort of resource for me. If I'm completely honest, it's more of a I listen to them with the critique yeah. side of things where we talk quite a lot, obviously, Dan, about 
you know, what's good, what's yeah. how, how we can work things and stuff like that. But there's some of them which... Ryan messages me to tell me how many times he said um in a, in a podcast or yeah. how many times Matt's cleared his throat normally. It's the other yeah, one. Yeah, the other one. Dan messages me uh, about 12 o'clock at night. Yeah, yeah. Constantly with Absolutely. voice messages. But no. Uh, have I, you noticed I've given you a break from that You have week? actually, yeah. yeah. It's only because he's busy with his other job. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah it's because there's quite a lot going on at the minute, to be honest with you. But no, I like, um, I, I cringe when I listen to the early ones, yeah. but I'm very, very proud of where we've got to. Yeah. Um, yeah now in comparison to where we were with the early ones as well if anyone listening to this would like to join us for an episode you can join us for the whole episode you can join us in person if you uh, if you can get over to our studio we'd love to have you in via zoom it can be for the whole episode you can just join us for part of it or just just listen whatever you need to get from this podcast to help you and any support that you can find from it that's that's exactly what we are what we're here for just um, before we start quickly because there's been we just mentioned this before we went live because there's a lot going on in all this concrete business going on with schools and how's this building we all right now we're not going to come tumbling down is it oh. <laughs> i hope so <laughs> i hope it's all right no, it's fine. Heads around all that but stuff. then having said that i've been bashing things into the roof and everything <laughs> in here haven't i so i wouldn't be surprised if it did just cave on every time heads. i turn the radio on in the last week it's about all oh, the schools are being closed at the end of the summer holidays it's how, because how ironic the summer holidays finished this week and yeah. now it starts no, it's yeah. because covid doesn't exist anymore as well isn't it yeah. so they're just getting something oh, else to kind of find bang on about and ever yeah i just feel bad for my kids or anyone else because they've done they got a chance have they they've missed about a year of school because of lockdown yeah we're supposed to do home schooling but I mean I, c- no. I can teach them morals can I teach them long division can I bollocks <laughs> so then, yeah. I mean I do not, don't even know how long a day is so I can't tell a mask can I like, three hours ago into you yeah, yeah. three yeah. hours is not even a whole day no exactly maths by Matt no but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Kelly Thank you very much for uh, for joining us. You're known on Instagram, is it the miscarriaged dad? So the miscarriage is definitely going to be a, a theme that we're we're talking about a lot on the show tonight. So before we get into your story, can you just uh, let people know where they can find you if uh, people would like to reach out to you as well? Yeah, so I have two platforms. One of them is uh, Welcome to Fatherhood, which is a podcast that I started yeah. three years ago when my firstborn was born. And the hope of that was to first explore my story of fatherhood and just kind of project that and secondly gather as many stories as possible to be able to then pass it on to my son when he gets older as kind of a a a manual since there's no manual for fatherhood so i figured heck i'll just do that and pass it on to my kid but then with 2020 and how things were happening here in the states Uh, there were some topics that I was not anticipating going into, and I just had to jump right into them because my wife and I birthed a black boy in the United States of America that was being torn apart once again by yeah. racial tensions. Yeah. And as a new father, um, watching the most beautiful creature, the most beautiful being that I've ever come to know, and also feeling very guilty and sorry for his existence was a really difficult place to be in. So I started diving into those conversations. And so that's what Welcome to Fatherhood is about. And for reasons that we'll get into a little bit later uh, in tonight's conversation, I recently started The Miscarriage Dad to create a space for men Mm -hmm. to openly talk about their experience or our experience of early pregnancy loss 
also be an advocate for fathers and spaces where fathers go into, but they are less than second class citizens. So that's what the miscarriage dad is all about. That was around the, the George Floyd time, wasn't it? 20, 2020 around that, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, so one, interestingly, one my things, son yeah. was born the day after George Floyd oh, was murdered. Wow. Oh, wow. And while my wife and I were in the hospital, the world was changing yeah. right from underneath our feet. And we had no concept or no clue of what was going on because obviously we're in the hospital. Yeah, and you're in a bubble. Uh, Juki, as I call my son, his name is Julius Camillo. He was born via C-section. So my wife ended up yeah. being longer in the hospital. So when we left the hospital and all of the chaos that we mm. walked into, we had no idea who George Floyd was or oh, what yeah. was going on, the racial tensions and what have you. So it was probably like a week later when everything was already coming to a head that we're now finding out about this stuff. And then it was just chaotic. Mm. It's a bit of a mad place, isn't it? I, I was watching some, obviously, I mean, he's, he's, I think he's off his rocker, isn't he? I don't really want to start talking politics and Donald Trump, but he did something, was it, uh, with, uh, what's his name, Tucker Carlson. And his first question was, sorry, I'm about to do a piss poor American accent here. This is, <laughs> this is based on them, not you, which is the best voice I've ever heard. And he starts off the interview with Donald going, so do you think we're going to have a civil war? <laughs> Like, Sounding more like Donald Duck. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I'm like, what's up opening question? I mean, that's insight. That's insight. Anyway. Yeah. It, yeah. We all know what. That, We've got to cut that one. That's that, unbelievable. That, that impression was. That was but let, let's be honest. What's that more like Miss Piggy, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that bloke's a prat. Oh, well. He always has been a prat and he always will be a prat. Yeah. So you, you can't. Yeah. You can't, yeah, you yeah. certainly live in, um, I mean, <laughs> very... Um, very interesting times is the only word that's coming to my head, but I think there's probably a better way to put it than that and, and everything that's happening over in that country. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Great stuff with the platforms. Probably pricked up the ears of our former American guests that we've had on. We've had a few on now. One thing that we've spoke about with any of our guests that we've had on internationally is just about the support which is on offer over in, mm. you know, the countries that you're in. So we'll, we'll get back into that again a little bit later on. But as we do with all the guests now, if you could just take as much time as, as you need, Kelly, to give us as much detail as you want about your story that you and uh, your wife... Sorry, what's your wife's name? I've got this on my notes. Yeah, her name is Michelle. Michelle. So, uh, yeah, you and Michelle yeah. in your own time, and uh, the guys will jump in. Yeah, so my wife and I, we experienced a total of five... Uh, miscarriages as we were trying to first start our family and then grow our family. And like I mentioned uh, to you is that all of them have their own significance. All of them uh, were devastating in their own regards. And I would say with the exception of like the the fourth one, because that one just kind of disappeared and we didn't know anything about it. Like my wife didn't have any symptoms or anything like that. So that's oh, the okay. only exception. But out of the yeah. five, four of them are significant for, for their own reasons. So the very first time, you know, going into a marriage, going into trying to grow a family, not me, not her, we're not thinking, we're not expecting that we would have any difficulties because obviously we're healthy, we're young, you know, I'm expecting is I'm just going to look at you and you're going to be pregnant and that's that. <laughs> Well, I mean, so, that's, that's stud. 
Stunning. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's amazing. I reckon yeah. if that, I wonder if Mary and Joseph were like that. <laughs> I'd say my wife after dinner first. <laughs> I mean, to be, to be fair, with that voice, he's got a chance anyway, hasn't he? Like, you know, I must so. admit, I'm swinging his way now. <laughs> so we, um, you know, when my wife first told me that she was pregnant, mm. I was I was elated. Yeah. I mean, I jumped up, ran around the house. I was screaming. I mean, she pulled out this little onesie that said, congratulations, oh. you know, you're going to be a dad. I mean, it was just the happiest time of my life. Yeah. And obviously going into it, you're not thinking it's not going to go like something is going to happen. You're not just, you're just not thinking that. <laughs> so we go to the first ultrasound and there was something that was happening and she needed to come back for a second one. But after the first ultrasound, the doctor spoke with us and this detail has become more clear in my mind over the past several years. Her words were exactly this. Don't be surprised if the first pregnancy doesn't stick. Oh, and right. so that kind of planted a seed in the back of my mind that ended up shaping the way that I mishandled supporting my wife after that miscarriage was confirmed. So just because of that frame, mm. not being surprised if the first pregnancy and those words in particular yeah. didn't stick, yeah, yeah. Um, it just kind of, not kind of, it stripped all of the emotions that I could have had and that I perhaps should have had out of it. It just took all of my connection, my grieving, my reaction to losing mm -hmm. this news that made me so happy just several weeks prior. It just took all of that away from me because it became very uh, calculated. It became very mathematical, if you will. Oh, okay. If this one doesn't stick, then obviously once we get over this one, like the next ones are just going to be a cakewalk. So they're almost and changing it into like a formula, isn't it? This yeah, like, yeah. Not emotive, yeah. yeah. Kelly, yeah, can I... Yeah, that, yes. Can I ask you, do you have any animosity against the um, the doctor or the, the medical professional that explained it to you like that, or say explained it, that said it to you like that? Animosity blunt, towards it? that particular person, no, because they could walk in front of me in a million iterations and I still wouldn't be able to tell you who it was. Right. Yeah. Animosity towards the lack of consideration right, yeah. and the callousness yeah. with which it was said. And here's the interesting part. I don't think it was said intentionally to like mess me up, no. yeah, right? Yeah. Because from their perspective, this is something that they do every day. And I was probably the millionth person mm. that this person had to say something to. Yeah, you're right. But on the other hand, I come back to the fact that this physician chose this field and this particular practice to be able to either give good news or give bad news. Mm. My wife and I, we made the choice to want to have children. We didn't make the choice to have a miscarriage. Mm, yeah. And so the way that the lack of empathy was characteristic at that moment by saying something so matter-of-factly, mm. so formulaically, mm. is what I have animosity toward because it really impacted the way that I was not able to support my wife during that first miscarriage because she, I mean, she was devastated. She mm. ended up having to get a DNC and I just couldn't wrap my mind around why 
she was feeling so upset because it was just a simple formula. The mm. first one may not stick. So it's really not a big deal. Yeah. Like we can just try again. And then it's the like, second one is for sure. It's like the humanistic side of things. He's just not there, isn't it? It's almost like it's just, they're reading from a script. It's very blunt. Very yeah. blunt. Yeah. Very, yeah. very, yeah. Like you say, the, the empathy's not there. The, the delivery of that sort of news, you're right. They've probably delivered it however many thousands, millions of times to so many different people and it's almost like it just rolls off the tongue. It is, it's going through the... I mean, my only comparison with this would be that you've said a couple... In fact, a couple of guests have said the difference between talking about losing their child on the podcast when they're doing it on here and they get emotional is because they're reliving it from a much deeper level than Mm. yet another time when you you don't want to talk about it Mm. and someone's just randomly or casually asked you and you sort of... I I think it was you who said it, Matt, wasn't it? You sort of go through the motions... Some yeah, days, yeah. I think it was Tom Hender as well yeah. um, recently. Kelly, when obviously you said that you kind of went to a place of almost logic, I suppose, where it, you knew this was going to possibly not happen. So, do you think when you found this news out, do you think you almost put your defenses up to kind of protect your own feelings a little bit? Do you think that happened or not? Or do you think? No, I, actually, I don't think that happened at all because I wasn't aware that. I had any particular, I mean, it was sad, right? Because I was, I had the news of, Hey, I was going to be a dad. And now I'm hearing that I'm not going to be a dad anymore. And so, yeah, there was some sense of sadness there, but just the way Mm. that it was said, Mm -hmm. it, it, it just made me feel that much more disconnected to something that I had begun to feel really connected to initially. Mm. Yeah, just because it was said in, in, in that way, like, hey, don't be surprised if the first pregnancy doesn't stick. Like, and so matter of fact. Like, yeah. That was yeah, yeah. that was the end of that. Yeah. Crazy, isn't it? How just like one sentence can no, have yeah. such a wide-ranging yeah. in, in, impact on it. Do you yeah. Did you ever hear that? Like, going through I, anything or with any of your clients? Because I've not heard that about that before, the whole giving you that. It's like a like a pre-warning, isn't it? The only the only comparison I can really make is, is my own situation where we lost Callie was because when we lost Callie... I was in the room on my own and I didn't know what had happened. And then yeah, yeah. the midwife came in and I'm assuming the midwife is not allowed to break that news. I guess the doctor is the one that has to break the news, like what happened. Or even even if Callie was still alive at this point when Laura told me, but Laura, our midwife, said, told me that she'd been born, but she was poorly. Right. And I'll always remember that line because it's like, okay, but yeah, you can tell me that, but what's next? So you, it's that, yeah, it's that. You say it's what you say is like a pre-warning. Yeah, but even at that point, it's like okay, that's because I just don't recall hearing that with no. with with either time that I've been no, in with my wife. It, it, but yeah. <laughs> what year was that then, Kelly? When was the first one? This was twenty nineteen. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This was the first of. This was the first of three pregnancies in 2019 wow. or late 2018 early 2019 around how, there how did the so after the you know the the first miscarriage and everything that you've spoken about so far and especially as we've discussed on this podcast a lot that naivety is now gone and when you find out again that Michelle's pregnant for the second time how did you treat that one and how did you um, together just you know um, move forward I just have to give my wife uh, a shout out because the way that 
I was not loving towards her after that first miscarriage. She could have easily responded in ways that would have been justified. Do you like mind, she could have just said, do you mind opening up a little bit more about, cause it might be helpful to yeah, like yeah. any particular examples of that relationship shift that you had and, and how you weren't there where you perceive yourself not being there. Yeah. So my wife had this procedure that's called a, a dilation and curative procedure, a DNC, which is basically a procedure, an invasive procedure where, they have to remove the tissue from her body. Right. And she describes it as like a vacuum suction okay. that they have to put in and suck all that stuff out. So it leaves this after effect in her that she kept feeling for way after the fact. All right. So not just the emotional uh-huh. toll that she's undergoing, she's also going this physical, physical yeah. feeling sensation related to this miscarriage Never mind how she's perceiving herself as as a woman, as a wife, and all the guilt, like I can't make you a dad, all of that stuff. Uh I'm not aware of any of that because I'm very stuck on don't be surprised if this doesn't stick. This didn't stick. The second one is definitely going to stick. So my wife is grieving. And let me pause there and just step way back and give you a little bit of my background. I am a chaplain at a children's hospital here in Philadelphia, which means that as professionally, I walk into devastating situations most times at at the hospital where I work at to support parents, family members who are losing their kiddos on a daily basis. And without knowing what's going on, uh, many times I go in and instantly I am able to make a connection in one of the most difficult times in a stranger's life to the point that afterwards, some of them have sent me text messages way after just to check in and say, thank you for being there at that time. But I couldn't do that with my wife. I was just not connected in that way. It's crazy, man. It's, it's strange. That I think a lot of people will relate to that because you just give everything, don't you, to other people and then quite often the people closest to you because they're always there and they become your mental as well as your verbal punch bag, don't they, to a degree? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and so in, in, in many regards, I was looking at her and I'm like, well, what are you freaking out about? Like, mm-hmm. what are you tripping about? Because the doctor clearly said, I heard it, you heard it, so I'm not surprised. Why are you surprised? And again, I'm not even connecting any of the other dots of what she's feeling and experiencing. And so I remember she, my wife is an internal processor. And so she just caved inwards and she formed this strong, hard cocoon shell around her and I could not penetrate. And I was relentless like this desperate woodpecker. And I just kept going at it. And one day I said to her, listen, like you need to talk to me. And I just started popping off for my wife Mm. and she just broke down crying. And she was like, why don't you just leave me alone and like understand what I'm going through? Like you just haven't given me any space. And so that was the first time. and, And I had one of these moments where in my head, building up to that moment, 
I'm like building the argument that I'm about to drop on her and yeah. her eyes are going to open up and she's going to be like, damn, yo, you're right. Like I need to open up to my husband. Yeah. It never works out right. Does she, it, do it, that it way. never works out, man. <laughs> yeah. She made me feel this small. And after she finished talking, I went to work and the rest of the day, I'm thinking to myself, Kel, you are an absolute dick. Before we move on, I, I, I think, thank you for opening up. And I think the way that you're explaining things yeah. are awesome. I will say this before I forget as well. I love hearing it when Americans say tripping because we can't say it as British people. We sound like tits. <laughs> <laughs> or on acid or something like that. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, Do you know what though? I, I, I can... It's an amazing story so far. Yeah. And I yeah. can understand the being able to attach both yeah. feelings. Yeah. I remember when we had a miscarriage after we'd lost Lily. You've had two, right? We've had right? two yeah. miscarriages. And I remember mm. after we'd lost Lily, the pregnancy after Lily, it was a, what they would call an earlier miscarriage. So it was about six weeks, something like that. Yeah. And I can still to this day remember how upset and how devastated Amy was. And I was just as upset and devastated, but didn't show it, yeah. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I it, didn't it, know. In your own way. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know what to do. Yeah. I didn't know what Did to you do. tell her that? Did you say that? No, 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 no. Because at that point, I was... So then, why not? I was completely... Because I was a completely different person right. back then as well. Bearing in mind this... Is it not, not wanting to show weakness? Is it coming Probably, it? yeah, because it... I don't know if... We've, we have said this before. It yeah, took yeah. about 12, 12, 13, 14 months for me to really be open to how um, devastated I was after the loss of Lily before I started mm-hmm. to seek help myself. Um, and I think at that time, it probably was a, a sense of not wanting to show weakness and me thinking at that time, right, I've got to be strong here because Amy's obviously devastated and and what we're going through and stuff like that. And plus as well, we were going in to a hospital that we hadn't been to before. So it was a completely different scenario to obviously what okay. we'd experienced with the stillbirth. Of yeah, Lily. yeah. So I can completely understand it. And, and also from speaking to clients of mine who have gone through multiple miscarriage, recurrent miscarriage and, and so forth. There's all, there is a trend with with men that it's very, very similar to how Kelly has, has explained his story there to how men react to it because I think it's very... Yeah, yeah. Like the way yeah, Kelly yeah. said there, you've got not only the devastation of... The way the, the female's mind works in comparison to the male's mind at that time, like Kelly said, oh, I can't make you a dad or they feel like a failure or guilt my in, body yeah. can't carry a baby. There's lots and lots of different different scenarios yeah. that, that pan out. It, it's a very, very widely spoken, certainly amongst a lot of clients that I've had who yeah. have had miscarriage or recurrent miscarriage. It's a real complex area. The complexity of miscarriage anyway, the subject of it, and it's interesting because of I've had a, uh, some clients that I've had, it's that word, isn't it, in front of miscarriage. It's that, it's that word, just. Mm. It's, oh, ju- yeah. it's just a miscarriage. And it's like, no, yeah, it's not. It's I remember not ju- a mate saying that to right. me. It's just a miscarriage, you'll be mi- all right. Yeah. And that- Felt like saying, well, this is just a smack in the mouth. Yeah. Well, you'll be all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> sort of thing, do you know what I mean? But that word just is so powerful. It's so powerful in, 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 a, lot, in, in a lot of things in life. But yeah. And so I think what Kelly's saying there is absolutely right. I think the disconnect is there for all, all to see, really. 
So you're saying you're a chaplain in a children's, was it children's hospital, was it? or a... Yeah, at a children's hospital. So you're well-versed, as you said yourself, to seeing grief, but then it's very different yeah. when that grief lands on your own front door and you're, and you're dealing with it yourself. So you've had the first miscarriage. Uh, and, and after this, was it then when you had uh, your, your child or did you have your, uh, was it miscarriage number two before you had your... No, so yeah, after that we had a second miscarriage. Right. This is purely going back to what you heard from uh, the first time when the, the doctor said to you about the, oh, the first time you might well lose. So you go into it and you think, my mindset would be, okay, well, that, that bit's done yeah. now. Second time's a charm, isn't it? Yeah. Where were you mentally at that point? Exactly what you just said. I mean, that was like my exact thought. Yeah. You know, the first one obviously didn't stick. But from here on out, it's smooth sailing yeah. because we got that out of the way. And so... When my wife told me that she was pregnant again, I was excited, but way much less than yeah. the first time, yeah. obviously, because that naivete yeah. is gone. And having that experience now being fully committed to, okay, so we're past that. We're not going to go through that again. This one is definitely going to stick. And I always wanted to have a baby girl at first. And so I was sure that, man, this second pregnancy is going to be my daughter. And we went back to get the ultrasound and we were right back at a familiar spot. Yeah. Same place. Not a viable uh, pregnancy. How many weeks, Kelly? The sec how many weeks is the, was the, the miscarriage? Yeah. So I, I'm trying to, I was trying to think about the timeline and yeah. honestly, I can't tell you it was yeah. sometime, I want to say sometime in between six and 12 weeks, okay. but I can't tell you exactly where yeah. in that timeline it was. It was definitely within the first trimester. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So that second time it hit me mm. personally so much harder than the first time mm. I because I had built in my mind this expectation yeah that the second one was going to work out. And so when it didn't, I felt crushed. Yeah. And in the midst of that, I started to think about my wife <laughs> and my mistreatment of her during that first miscarriage. And so now I'm, I'm experiencing the loss of yet another pregnancy, the loss of this ideal that I was gonna be a girl dad. I'm experiencing the guilt of not having supported my wife properly the first time, I'm starting now to ask the question, you know, is it me? Mm. Like, am I doing something wrong? Am I paying back for something that I did back way back when, you know, this, like this God punishing me is, yeah. you know, all, all of those things. Like I'm, I'm starting to ask myself these things and we find ourselves back at the hospital for a second DNC that my wife is going through. But now this time I am so much more connected and tethered to how she's feeling to our relationship is so much better and stronger now. And we walk into this really tiny closet size room. And this story is when my eyes really started to open up okay. to what is now, you know, the mm. platform that I created, the miscarriage mm. dad, we're in this really small closet size room and my wife is sitting on the patient's chair and I am on a little stool in a corner. But from where I'm sitting, I could reach my hand and touch my wife. So it was a really small yeah. room. And the doctor walks in. And I don't know if you fellas can see me clearly, but that day I woke up as a black man. Yeah. 
And I am sitting in this all white wall room. So there was no way this man could miss me when he walked in. Yeah. But he walked in and he sat with his back toward me and he spoke with my wife and he got her consent for the procedure. And the man got up and he walked out and never said a word to me. He never looked my way. I could have been a painting on the wall for all he cares or a shadow or a big hole. And he just disappeared into the nothingness of the world outside that office. Um, You did well to not follow him out then. I also imagine as well at this point, your trust for physicians is potentially at rock bottom anyway, because like you were saying, you expect that second one, that's going to stick, it's going to work. So your trust immediately is is just completely gone because what you were holding on to has proved not to be true. And then to be treated like that by another doctor in a time of grief, your trust for physician and medical professionals at that point must surely be at rock bottom. It was. And again, with the back, my professional background, like I've been in rooms and situations where I've seen physicians handle situations masterfully and really difficult conversations done masterfully. And I've also seen moments where they've completely fumbled the ball and you don't ever expect that to happen to you. And that's why like expectations are such a huge thing that are at work in the background of all of this, because at various moments for various reasons, I've had to rethink about my expectations and realize how without even knowing it, I was setting expectations that then just kept getting destroyed time and time and time again. Mm. Um, Kelly, what was, what was Michelle's reaction to that? Like did she even, she, she took notice. Yeah. Yeah. We, when he walked out, we looked at each other and I said to her, is it me or did he just completely ignore me? And she was shocked herself. I mean, she, she, the fact that she took notice validated that a, I was not crazy. Yeah. B I wasn't making it up and C that's a huge problem. And so it's, it's so it's such a surreal thing because hey, I mean you've had two bad experiences with uh, you know the miscarriage number one and the comment that was made to you and then this situation when the person completely blanked you in the room which was a tiny room by the by the sounds of things. I mean, where's the a, a, a I mean, if it's your job, you know, it's a family. You know, you, you know, takes two hands to clap, as they say. Mm. You are one of those hands. And also, just in general, you walk into a room, even if I don't know anyone, I feel a little bit. You need to have a little bit of emotional intelligence just to just acknowledge someone, even if you're just giving them a nod, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. But when you're in a room for that specific reason, yeah, yeah, yeah that's um, that's appalling. That is, it's dreadful. Were you able to feed back on that, Kelly? Did you actually feed back to the hospital about that? I did. So the hospital sent a survey to my wife and I couldn't remember the doctor's name, Mm. but I definitely wrote in detail what my experience was. Mm. So it's I felt like it was there just for me to kind of vent and get an email that said, you know, thank you so much for your feedback. And now I can shut down my computer and say, yeah, I did my part. You know, I advocated for myself knowing very well that that email ended up in some junk mail somewhere and nobody's ever going to read it. 
And it's these sort of things and these and the way that people are treated that then can have a negative effect on people's grief journey by causing complicated grief. Yes, that, that's it. That's exactly and, right. and that's the thing. He's, he's then yeah, you're dealing with enough, aren't you, anyway? You're dealing with enough as it is, and then you've got somebody else who's adding... Yeah. You know, more more to the pile and, and potentially then it complicates that person's grief because not only then are they grieving for the miscarriage or the loss of their baby, they're also wondering, hang on a second, why was I not yeah. spoken to? What you know I'd, oh, I'd, so, unbelievable. The elephant in the room was the was the doctor who came and ignored you, was the doctor white? Hundred <laughs> percent. That's why I made the point of saying yeah. that I woke up black that day. Yeah. Yes, it's, oh, yeah. it's a mad country. That's just that's just basic manners. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. There's another facet to this that, like I said, you know, this whole this experience in particular really started to open my eyes yeah. to the things that I'm trying to address now through yeah. the miscarriage dad, and that I don't know if he walked in and saw me there and thought. Surely I couldn't be the husband of this woman. Surely perhaps I was just a baby daddy or, huh, you know, huh. some sort of like, maybe they don't even have a relationship. Maybe she forced them to be here. Like whatever the case is, maybe he's not even going to be involved. It's very presumptuous, isn't it? There's a stigma about black fathers that we're not caring and involved and hands-on and that kind of stuff. So who knows what those unconscious biases yeah, might have yeah. been. Well, it's that and there's lazy play. stereotypes and all Absolutely. of that. I mean, the yeah. guy's got a mouth. I'm assuming he could just ask you the question, couldn't he, and just start a dialogue with you. So I know you said about the um, that you started the miscarriage dad and, and things like this. I'm assuming that what you've experienced has really pushed you towards doing this podcast and getting this platform out there. And I'm so pleased you've come on tonight because I think this comes back to why we started our podcast, right? It's not... It's, and it's not a case of like one sex is best. So the fa- female or the male, right? It's not about that. It's about the fact that the male is just as important or the partner, yeah. the partner is just as important. We've looked at it from a male point of view and it, and it absolutely has to be done because like oh, yeah. I said, don't get me wrong, the care for Crystal when we lost Callie has to go to Crystal straight away because she's physically given birth she's gone through this gone through this emotional thing that i you know again i couldn't get near at that point to a degree but then i remember specifically in that room and we lost callie everyone was stood round me in a big circle before crystal came into the room and they were almost looking at me like i had two heads And, Mm. and, and none of them knew what to do and then one woman one nurse came forward and said do you want a hug and I said, absolutely. And I just, mm. I just broke down into her arms. But that's because mm. she just gave me the care that a human being should probably switch on and give you at that point. You know what I mean? Oh, and yeah. Then, yeah. You know, but because, because well, I was a male at that point, it, listen, I couldn't no, be you're right. completely yeah. into it, but I just felt they didn't know how to deal with me. As yeah, a, yeah. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I've always said this, is that you can be the most well-educated person in the world. You can, you can be a doctor. You could be a brain surgeon you could be the most educated person but if you don't have an ounce of empathy or common sense 
then in my mind, <laughs> yeah. that is just... Yeah, it's true. You can't teach that. Yeah. You can't no. teach empathy. Yeah. You can't teach yeah. common sense. That's just being human. It's just being nice to somebody. That comes from your surroundings, your upbringing, your it morals, does, isn't absolutely. it? Yeah, your day-to-day life. And, and I mean, I've, I've often said before, the, the care, obviously what Matt just said there about Crystal, the care that Amy had was was you know fantastic and the care from our bereavement midwife claire who i wouldn't ever say a bad word about it because she was that good i got exactly the same emotional care as what amy got well that's brilliant well yeah i mean it should be a standard though isn't and it, it should be the a fact standard, we're even discussing it is it, an issue but isn't it a sad state of affairs that we speak to so many different people that don't get that care. Well, it is a theme, isn't it? And it is a theme. And, and well, the earliest example of it, I remember, I get, I've mentioned this before, it's Ian Lawton when he went, he used to go to his, uh, one of our very, very early episodes, an Irish guy in his car, mm. about when we were on Zoom and he used to go to a, a couple's counselling thing and he yeah. said it did nothing for him. He was there, but he, he mm. felt like he might as well not be in the room. And again, as we've said, we're not trying to polarise the differences, guys and girls. It's no. just, this is what you need to help you get through what you're dealing with. And so he went to his own one. It was the guy's only one. And it changed his world, didn't it? And yeah. yeah. Remember, he called it his stuff. tribe, didn't he? He found his tribe. Found his tribe yeah. That's what he yeah, said. He found he his tribe and he found the support and, yeah. the, and, the, and the care and the empathy within that group there. Yeah, precisely that. I'll but, put the link, by the way, in the um, description for that episode, by the way, for anyone who wants to listen to it. But what, you, but what you've done, Kelly, I think is really, I think it's really positive what you've gone on to do yes. in, in, in giving that platform and, and really starting something up that needs to be that needs to be done and and hopefully you've I'm sure you you will have hopefully you've helped a lot of men yeah. deal with their feelings and their emotions and kind of giving them a platform just to talk right you know that's what it is isn't it so how, how do you find doing it yourself does it help you doing it obviously you're doing it for other people but how do you find it helps yourself or does it yeah so the miscarriage dad's platform it is still in its infancy yeah. and so the hope is to be able to uh, do those things, right? To connect with men yeah. who have gone through these experiences and not just give them a uh, space to voice their story, to form community, to think of ways to try to influence the system so that other guys who are in it or who will go through the same thing can have a much better experience than than we did. And it just came out of place where one evening I was like, thinking about this stuff so much that I was like, Cal, just go ahead and, and, and do it. Yeah. Yeah. So Absolutely. this, um, this October, uh, a friend of mine who I went to school with and when I posted, when I launched the platform, yeah. his wife actually saw the post that I put and then she contacted me and she said, Hey, you should talk to Chris <laughs> because we also had a miscarriage. I didn't know you guys were even trying to have kids again. They already have a child who, who's, I think, uh, oh, 10 your, or 11 uh, years old. See, so straight away. Yeah. And so um, I spoke with my friend Chris and he was like, yeah, dude, you know, we had this thing. And so I started telling him what my vision for the miscarriage dad was. And he said, I want to be a part of this Brilliant. just because of what it stands for. Because the reality is that here in the U.S., as far as I've been able to research, there isn't a platform or a space or a resource like what the miscarriage dad is currently or is aspiring to to become like there just isn't anything like well, that. Our previous American so guests I have came, said yeah the same thing they couldn't find anything so yeah yeah so I came across you guys because I just went on Google and I said okay podcast about 
men struggling with early pregnancy loss. And then I saw the Still Parents podcast and I was like, this is amazing. And I was so excited, but also frustrated and disappointed that all of the organizations that I found that care for or cater to men specifically or primarily or equally Mm. are all overseas. Mm. Right, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Australia, UK, nothing in the United States, of the United States of yeah. America. And you are such and I'm a massive... Like, this is nuts. It's a big old, it's a big old place as well, isn't it? Massive country, man. Like, it's, it's like it's huge. Geography with mats. <laughs> yeah, it's back. We're bringing out a book. Yeah, I've already, I've already said, I know you're nowhere near it. I've already I said, I'm, gonna, gonna say it. I'm, I'm gonna off say. to touch the Hollywood sign at some point. Yeah, he's got this thing about any time you get an international guest on, you've got to bring up a landmark so you can go and ask what it looks <laughs> like in, what it looks like in real life. And the answer's always the same. Same as it looked like, so on, looks like on TV, but in 3D. What are you going to do in Philadelphia? The only thing in Philadelphia I can think of you know at the start of the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and he's in the basketball court <laughs> before he moves <laughs> and when he gets beat up doesn't he yeah, yeah they, go see that go, go to that basketball no, court no I went to Philadelphia when I was there oh did you I did yeah it was great really nice place I took a yeah. Greyhound bus the Greyhound buses are unbelievable by the way Sorry, what's a Greyhound bus? It's a bit like basically like, like, you know, like, like, like the megabuses. You know the megabuses over here. Okay, it's not literal. Like You're not sat on a Greyhound. No, I know that. I was just thinking. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, I know that. Obviously, <laughs> I mean, that would be amazing, wouldn't I'm it? I'm assuming it. <laughs> I'd love that. Yeah. I know they got some problems in America, but people riding Greyhounds to work. I stop at that. You go to Lapland with the Huskies and go to America for some Greyhounds. <laughs> yeah, but how yeah. fast would that be as well? Like, get there quick, right? That's it. I love our travel chats. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Kelly, thank you, thank you for coming on with us. I realise that we've we've got into such detail and we've nearly been on for an hour, but we've we've got lots to uh, lots to talk about still. Now I don't know if you want to stay on or if you want to do a part two. What you what you guys? I think we uh, how, we about, at, how are we at with this? I think part. I think part two. And I can stick that all together because we've still. So you've had uh, while well, these guys decide that. So you've had the two miscarriages, and then you did have a a third pregnancy, which was a, yes. a success, wasn't it? And you had your baby. Tell us about... Am I getting the name right? Julius. These are brilliant names. <laughs> I mean, you, you're Kelly Jean-Philippe. You've got Julius Camillo. Is that right? It's like That's proper correct, names. Yeah. We've, just, we've got like eight syllables between all three of us in this room. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the full name is Julius Camillo. Uh, his name came as a combination of both my mother and mother-in-law's names. Oh, beautiful. Um, so he's carrying... He's a namesake of both of his grandmothers. So... I bet they love when that. Michelle got pregnant, the the third time that she got pregnant, uh, each time she got pregnant, the excitement just got lesser and lesser. So it was more robotic, mechanical, matter of fact, what do we need to do? Let's call, you know, the doctor, set the appointment, so far and so forth. And even after the ultrasound confirmed that the pregnancy was right on track, Michelle and I were still waiting for the other shoe to drop like yeah. when is this going to turn south yeah like what is going to be the thing that we're going to go through again so that you know the loss is going so we're just kind of anticipating the loss i'll never forget the anatomy scan where i was with michelle and i'm watching the 2d version of my boy on the screen and i'm nervous because I am waiting for something, you know, some type of abnormality, some type of deformity, some type of something. Yeah. Just because of the trauma of the first two miscarriages. Understandable. And she is examining his his head. And the picture that she 
had on the screen, I was like, oh, man, this kid has my head. Like, this kid <laughs> has a dome on it. I mean, it's just like, wow. So that was the first time that I started to feel some sense of excitement about yeah. this pregnancy. And then uh, the, the longer the ultrasound went, the more parts she kept checking and everything was measuring great. And so she was trying to get us a really good picture. Uh And there was this moment where my son just kind of stretched his head backwards. And I almost lost it in there because he's alive. Like he's, he's alive. He's healthy. He got a dome. He's going to look just like daddy. Like (laughs) (laughs) he's alive. Yeah. that that uh, That was really exciting. To see the way that you describe things, the journey that you've been on, and to go from that naivety, that pure naivety on the first one that you then lose, and then you come to number three, and you're waiting, you're waiting for something to go wrong. You're a bit skeptical. You've been, you've heard these things before it's happened, and then all of a sudden you have that big smile on your face, and as you said, he's got your dome, and you've lost it, yeah, <laughs> and you've given him a cracking name as well. Absolutely brilliant. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm thinking, because I don't want to rush over the rest of no, absolutely your story. Not. And I, I also would like to go into a lot more detail about what you're doing as a result of your loss, you know, with the miscarriage dad and the platforms that you set up. So I would like it to come on for a part two. And I was just wondering if it would be maybe try and get on a, um, one of our previous American guests to join us on it. Because to get to get people onto this, as, as you were saying, that platform over there. Yeah. And I think this, this is part of what we're here for, isn't it? Is absolutely. to spread that and to help people to... To Absolutely. discover each other. Um, before we go and do that, Kelly, is that something you'd be interested in doing? Yeah, hundred percent. I just, I just think it's the right thing to do, Kelly. Yeah. That we don't, we don't rush through. Yeah. Sorry, know. that big sigh wasn't from Matt, wasn't oh, no, it? No, because no. we've got to come back for a second. One. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm messing with you. I just think he <laughs> felt as rude as that doctor for a minute, like you know. <laughs> oh, bloody hell, I've got to work on a Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> I just think it's uh, it be it is definitely the right thing to do because yeah, I, I yeah. get the impression we're we're probably not even halfway through your no, story, no, I think, and no, I also think yeah. definitely with the miscarriage dad that there's some legs in that that we need to explore a little bit more yeah. and get some more information yeah. out there. And I agree with Danny, it'd be great. Even if maybe, I don't know, halfway through, yep. you know, the second part that we get somebody to one of the American dads that yeah. we've had on in the past. Or even well. if you've not been on, if you're listening from America to this right yeah, now, you'd like definitely. to join us again. Before we've done, obviously, if you can see in your browser that part two's already out, you've probably, a bit, you know, but <laughs> I'm sure we'll be able to figure out something. Yeah, but absolutely, definitely. <laughs> Kelly, you tell the story amazing. Yeah. so well. You do with a lot of dignity as well, and uh, yeah, I'm blown away by your story, and I'm I'm so chuffed that we've had you on because yeah, your credit, your credit, you're, to your credit to yourself and your family. And do you know what? I get the impression that at some point you really did beat yourself up over that first miscarriage loss, um, and probably still there's probably still a bit of guilt there about how you reacted to that as well. But I think one thing that you have done is you've been very honest and very open and certainly with a lot of dignity shown that it's okay to be a black man in America who has experienced the loss of a baby, who is able to talk about it, who is able to show the emotion and who is able to continue to to try and build a platform to help many other people. Absolutely. Well said. Absolutely. 100%. Just to kind of, again, iterate how much your podcast has meant to me personally, uh, not just as someone who is, you know, part of this unfortunate brotherhood of having experience 
the loss of a life and the different point of the spectrum of, of that, right? But just what you guys have done, what you continue to do, it, it's 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 really it's it's incredible. It's encouraging, and I find and I think that's the reason why I've listened to almost all of your episodes because that's I keep amazing. getting inspired by the fact that this space exists, and while also acknowledging the pain and the circumstances mm. for why it exists. Uh, so I just wanted to Brilliant. verbalize that just in case I forgot, you know, no. in part two. Thank That's you. Br- thank, thank you. We appreciate that. Brilliant, brilliantly well said. And and yeah, it's, we don't want you to listen, but we're, we're happy that you, you do listen. It's, it's, it's a strange one, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much. Um, a bit awkward asking this, but I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> what? Yeah. what are you going to ask? Oh, I, I never, I worry when Dan does this. <laughs> right. Because you're a few hours behind, aren't you? Over there, six hours, I think, from uh, Birmingham to Philadelphia, where, where um, Kelly is. And you've, you've got amazing voice, as we've all said. If I phone you up in about three hours, can you read me a lullaby? <laughs> <laughs> Because I need to sleep. <laughs> I wondered where like you were going. the CBB's bedtime story. <laughs> yeah. right? I wondered where you yeah. were going with it. <laughs> be amazing, wouldn't it? I'd love that. Yeah. It's a good job I, Kenny's I got think, a sense of humour. I've memorised the uh, Pout Pout Fish, which is uh, one oh, of my on. son's favourite books. Go on and give us that then. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, here we go. Here we go. Okay. Everyone be quiet. Deep in the water where the fish hang out lives a glum, gloomy swimmer with an ever present pout. I'm the paw paw fish with a paw paw face. So I spread the jury wearies all over the place. Blah, blah, blah. That's it. That's all I got. That's all I got. All I'm missing was me, our chocolate. That was amazing. At least Teddy Bear. You need to be in a rating film. What are you, uh, what are you drinking? What's that, Jack Daniels? Is that Jack? What are you drinking there? uh, This is not a paid advertisement, by the way. No, don't Um, worry. What is that? Jack Daniels Lynchburg Lemonade. I've never seen Jack Daniels in a bottle. like Well, not in like like a beer bottle. No, no. Yeah. Yeah, this is delicious. It contains uh, 4.8% alcohol by volume. It is absolutely delicious. You see, you can probably sell that with your voice as well, isn't it? Just on the advert. We need some of that sent over. I think think (laughs) Saturday would be good. Get it done with Saturday. Yeah, and we'll send you over a Still Parents podcast hoodie. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, we should get one sent over. We will. We've just sent one to Australia. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll get that we had on last yeah, week. We'll get, so, your, yeah. get your hoodie sent we'll out. Get your hoodie sent out. Yeah, yeah. Kelly, thank you so much for joining us tonight, and we'll uh, we'll get it sorted out with Matt to uh, get you back in as, as as soon as possible, so we can tin- continue this, and uh, it won't be too long before we do that. Thank you very much. Before we go, I have um, had a message um, from uh, um, someone I've, I used to play football with years ago, and I've not spoken to him for a while, and he's he's messaged me through Instagram because he heard about the podcast, and I, I said I'd mention this on the show tonight. So he put, hi, Dan, and I'll put this in the description as well if anyone can maybe help. Um, he's put, hi, Dan, hope you and the family are well. I'm after a favour if possible. My friend's little girl is in desperate need of a stem cell transplant, and we're trying to spread the word and get people to sign up and see if just they are at least a match. I uh, didn't know if there's anything you could uh, you could do to maybe help push it. He's given me a link to it, which I'll put in the description of this. Definitely. Obviously, no obligation, yep. but if you, if you um, find that you could click on it and, and maybe see and help David's friend's little girl's life. Her name's Evie, I think it is. Um, that would be, uh, sorry, Amelia, not Evie, Amelia. 
that'll be amazing. Like I said, it will be uh, yeah, will be in the description when uh, when yeah, I, when yeah. this gets uploaded in, in a few days from now. So cool. yeah, that's it. Thank you very much. Cheers, cool. Dave, for getting in touch, and hopefully we'll be able to do that. All right, what are you doing for the rest of the day, Kelly? What are your plans? I am actually visiting my sister in Atlanta, Georgia, right now. So in about half hour, 45 minutes or so, we're going to start heading to the airport um, so that I can hop on a plane to go back to Philadelphia and get there by 9 p.m. my time, which will be about... What three, four o'clock in the morning? For yeah, yeah, that's when I'm gonna find you for my bedtime. There story. goes that bedtime story, Dan. Yeah, <laughs> hey, it's always mad in it, them, Greg, because we don't really fly anywhere, really, do we? It's just, no, uh, no, yeah. yes, just we yeah. get in the car to go down the road. They get on a plane to go down the road. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Kelly. Well, you've probably got lots to do, so we'll uh, we'll let you go now. Thank you very much. Uh, this has been the Still Parents Podcast, episode number sixty-three, which is now part one with uh, Kelly Jean Philippe, who's joined us from Philadelphia, and we'll be back, like we say, for part two. Take care, everybody. If you could find a moment or two. To drop us a quick review if you've got a few spare seconds and I've spent the last couple of minutes asking you to do things but I would really appreciate that it helps us helps other platforms to get discovered as well and it helps more than uh, more than maybe you realise so that, that would be fantastic our website stillparentspodcast.co.uk stillparentspodcast on our Instagram any final words gents? no take care everybody take care cheers guys thank Bye-bye. you